0: This is Rowdy McLean. Welcome back to the Play a Bigger Game podcast, where we bring you tips, tricks, ideas, and fabulous interviews about how you can play a bigger game. And today we've got an interview with somebody that I think is absolutely outstanding. In fact, they've been recognised as being outstanding in their field, having won, just recently, CEO of the Year. That's pretty awesome. And this person is probably also the most humble person I know, and so uh, they're reluctant to acknowledge the worthiness of the reward. But we're going to a deep dive and dig into that a little bit today, aren't we, Tricia? Bothysen?
1: Apparently we are, Rowdy.
0: Uh,
1: I'm so good with awards
0: CEO of Churchill Education a company in Queensland that's uh, been doing really really good things and I don't really want to talk about Churchill too much other than flag the fact that you're the CEO of it it's a great company and if people wanted to check it out they probably should but I want to have the conversation with the person who is the captain of the ship so uh, let's uh, let's not start now. So I've opened the door on the award, but I'd like to probably go back to how on earth did you end up here? And I know your background because we know each other very well, but my listeners would mm. be wondering, and they love to hear the stories when we do the interviews with people that, well, where did you start and how did you get going? And my goodness even though you are humble enough to go oh I don't know that I really deserve the award there are millions of people going how cool is that I wonder what the what it was that got you there so let's go back to the humble beginnings of uh, let's not go back too far but let's go back to your first job
1: oh my first job um look my first um really big stopping point in my career was um, working for the director of um, public prosecutions here in Queensland and um, for 10 years I worked there and I was a crown prosecutor which pretty much meant that I would wear the wig the old barrister's wig and the big barrister's gown um, and head to court and try and convince a jury um, or a judge um, of you know the case that was before the court. And so it was a bit kind of, I was really, as a nine-year-old kid, I watched it far too much Carson's Law and <laughs> Lorraine Bailey um, was, you know, the female prosecutor many times. And um, I remember my teacher saying to me at that age, you know, to, to do law you've got to be really clever and you've got to work really hard. And I thought, well, I'll do that, let's do that. Um, but one of the things that I found in my time prosecuting was that, you um, you know, you really see the the worst of people in their lives at that point. And um, I came to specialise in prosecuting um, child sex offences, so people that are offended against children. And I did that um, for a long time. And my my goal was to never ever lose sight of the heart of it. Um, I, um, you know, when you do a lot of hard work, you can become a bit numb. But my goal was to always care um, about every person that I met in that process. But I mean, I. I heard pretty tough things in that 10 years, but I also um, met my husband at um, Boggo Road Jail. So he um, luckily wasn't one of the inmates because my mother would have been horrified, but um, Randall was um, a detective in the Queensland Police Service. And, um, you know, for a long time, the two of us um, spent that world together of um, he'd arrest them and I'd prosecute them. Um, Arguments in our house went a lot like, um, I put it to you, Randall, and he being a typical copper would deny all knowledge and demand proof <laughs> so um that's where i kicked off uh working really and to be honest i think if we hadn't had you know a significant shift in our lives that's where i'd still be um and um, randall would still be in the police but of course um life is never that simple is it
0: no life isn't that simple and and you just when you think you've got a handle on it, life throws you that, uh, that curveball and you know, things yeah. show up differently. So what was it that uh,
1: made you move on from that role? So I, I came home from work one day and I found Randall. Um, at home and you know when you're married to a police officer shift works just a fact of life but i had been expecting that randall was going to be out until late that night he was on a um a late shift at the police so to find him at home was a bit unexpected um randall was also the sort of guy that never took sick leave um he's still that sort of man and um prided himself on his work ethic so to come home and find him there was a little odd but um he told me that he actually wasn't Going back to work, Um, he'd been to the doctor and he had been told that he was suffering from severe depression. Um, You know, I was went through all those emotions of feeling like, why hadn't he told me? Um, What did this mean? Like, when was he going back to work? You have to go back to work. Work's just a fact of life. But over time, what we realised was that Randall actually had um, severe depression, agoraphobia and post-traumatic stress disorder. And the reality was that he wasn't going back to work. Well, not not as a copper, not as a policeman. Um, and um, to be honest, when we got the diagnosis in that sense of post-traumatic stress disorder, I was relieved because I'd reached the point of just thinking that I'd married this bloke that wasn't particularly nice to be around. Um, so for me to see the reality of um, going, well, this is an illness um, and we can tackle that, Um, the priority became really clear, which was that he needed to be healthy and happy. And what we what he did for a living was irrelevant if that makes sense um so we went through kind of an 18 month process of really focusing on randall's health and getting him back on board but at the end of that time he had to medically retire from the police the police are a bit funny about letting you stay in the police and with access to weapons and post-traumatic stress disorder they really want you off (laughs) the streets. and um, we were really clear that randall could do anything in the process um we came across this concept called recognition of prior learning um and it's really about translating your life skills into qualifications and it through that i saw randall's walk change um the lift in his spirit the belief in himself and um you know I, it's a bit of a story from there but we ended up um, creating a business that really offered education as um, a way of transforming who you believe yourself to be um, and seeing the great bit the great parts of you, um into a business and you know i went back to we had a second child um and i went back to work at the dpp while we had um, the business up and running and um i came home one night in the way of these things in court matters you often get flipped a brief at the last minute you know four o'clock for the date next day and um so i was working on it at home in bed as was pretty normal um in those days and um the case was about probably one of the toughest things that i'd encountered and um and Randall just looked at me and said, you know what, you don't have to do this anymore. Um, we've seen the worst of people in the work that you and I have both done for so long, but this is an opportunity. You could come and work um, together, we could build Churchill and um, see the best in people. And so that's what we did. Um, so I never, we, we say we had more ask than class. We never, you know, really set about to create um a company we set about to create a future for ourselves and to share that with other people that we encountered and it's probably a good indication of how ill-equipped we were for Business Radio. We opened on the 1st of January um, 2006 which was a national public holiday but the (laughs) phones didn't ring and we couldn't figure out why but you know when you're in the police you never have public holidays so it didn't occur to us to do anything except pick a date draw a line in the sand and the start of a new year seemed like the very best time to do it. Um, so, so 10 years on, we've cottoned on to the fact that public holidays are a day off, um, yeah. except, you know, when it's your own business, often there's still work to be done. Um, but, yeah, we, we've kind of gone from seeing that absolute people at the absolute worst to understanding that there's so many extraordinary people looking for some help to be their absolute best, and so that's what Churchill's been for us for the last 10 years. Yeah, and, uh,
0: you know, one of the, the, the things I admire, greatly about you is that you can see the best in people and one of the other things that I admire about you is your ability to dodge talking about yourself (laughs) 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 and so uh, I did say to you in my uh, in my communication this morning that I was looking forward to prosecuting the prosecutor (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay bring on your best cross-examination
0: I (laughs) mean and so Wonderful transformation for Randall, and I get that, and and I love the, you know, I often talk to people about um, finding the positive in things that are terrible, and and I love the fact that you, the pair of you, were clapping your hands, more or less, because there was a diagnosis of a problem, so, uh, and so, geez, it's good to know, now we can do something with it, but... um, What was the transformation in Trisha in that time? So you stepped out of something that you've been doing for a long time. Mm. um, Hard job, but something that I understand you were really good at and completely changed your world. So people that are listening to this podcast may be in the same scenario as you, you know, doing a job that's tough that may not be them and they're thinking about changing their world. And to hear about your success, one of the things they're going to want to know is, well... What happened for you? Was it hard? Was it a struggle? Was it easy? Did you breeze through it? What would you, what would you advise me to somebody I else? I,
1: breeze, I don't think I breathe too much. I think I, um, if there's a hard path to take, I'll often take it. Um, but I think um, one of the things that worked best for me, like it – i lost my identity in that process because you know when you say when you go to a barbecue and someone says what do you do and you say i'm a barrister and i prosecute criminals um everyone go has this look at you and goes oh and and often what you'll hear in response next is oh you must be smart um and i'm always astounded by that because i think did they think i was not so bright in the last 10 minutes we've been talking um but the what happened for me was then I had to put down that identity and um, become kind of, you know, when you, you know what it's like, Raddy, when you're in a startup business, you do so many things, so many roles. And that in itself can confuse that sense of um, of who you are and what do you contribute. I, I took the best of the things that I'd learnt prosecuting. And one of the things that I'd learnt was that um, everybody has a story to tell. Um, and it didn't, didn't matter who I struck there was a story and that for just about everybody I encountered and I remember I did some hard sort of work there was something good to be said of them so for me I took those skills and went okay what's the best that I've learned from prosecuting and how do I bring that across to trying to design and lead a team um and so we set about trying to find i did so much reading of who can i who can i learn from who knows how to do business well who's um got a voice and a story that i connect with um one of the first people i went and heard was um margot spaulding who was actually the founder of jimmy possum furniture um which has been a beautiful furniture company in australia but she was a telstra business woman of the year and what struck me was that she found a way to be authentically her and still lead and so you know, and it had a priority on a family. So, that was my first tick on my box going, okay, well, I want to be that sort of leader that is me um, and value keeps my family kind of firmly as part of the business. Um, and then I started exploring, well, who else is there? I started online stalking, you um, know, friendly, <laughs> not scary way, um, uh, Tom O'Toole, the Beechworth baker who oh, might have yeah. met um, and, you um, you know, got wind that Tom was going to Disney World um, to do a development course. And I thought, well, I can meet Tom O'Toole and spend some time with him and learn from, you know, this Disney leadership. So I found myself putting myself in places where I could learn from others and, um, you know, found Tom was just a champion and really gracious about what he was willing to share share with me and um, share with us and had kind of an ongoing relationship with him now. And um, so I started looking at, you know, one of the things that I learnt prosecuting was that when you go to speak in front of a jury and you present your case, the first you do this thing, you do an opening pitch to the jury, then you lead all your evidence, which is bring all your witnesses in, tell the story, and the last thing that happens is you write a closing. Um, so what is the last thing you're going to say to a jury? And um, I always wrote my closing first. So I wouldn't write the opening, I'd write the closing, which was what do at the end of this trial do I want to be able to stand and say to a jury? What story is it that I want to have made sure I've told? And so I looked at that principle of um what's the story that I want to tell at the end of this journey at the end of you know whether it's the CEO of Churchill what's the story and so I wrote myself a story um, a story of um, actually this year it was you know I wrote it five years ago of really? standing in 2016 and I wrote my end my closing first if that makes sense so yeah, at the moment I'm working on my next what's my next five years and what would that closing argument be you know if it was 2012 21 um what would i want to stand and say that i've achieved and so that's um you know how i've kind of come about to create the role that i'm in is almost to have written it five years ago and then set about going okay what do i need to have done to be for that story to be fulfilled
0: I love that story. I've never heard that story that's that's awesome but just tell me this so you don't have to tell me what the closing story was but yeah. how close was it to being real everything. Yeah.
1: Everything. We, oh, everything. Um, the only only bits that I do differently in writing it next time is that you. one of the mistakes I guess I made was um, trying to write people in, if that makes sense. But it's not, it, I can't write someone else's story. I can only write mine. So, but the actual things that we achieved um, and I achieved, um, you know, there were things that I never saw coming, but at core, the values of what I wanted to achieve um, are all represented. I would never have written in um, the C of the year, I just, you know, it's not how I'm wired to go, I want that, you know, award on my shelf. Um, But I did write in um, principles around culture and leadership and gathering and what we'd achieved in other ways, um, how we'd design teams. And so, yeah, everything. One of the things that I did was I translated that into three distinct pieces that sat on my bedroom wall in frames Um, and so our our children could read what was the future as well what were the goals what were what were we working towards Um, what did we hold dear and I never counted on finding our children reading it aloud to each other and the power of standing when your kids read your dream and when your kids read your story um, that's an incredible motivator to make sure that that's fulfilled. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I would say I've never never encountered something quite like the power of writing your story out for the person that you want to be um, in that next five years.
0: That's incredible story. I love it. And you're obviously playing a bigger game. But do you think is Tricia a different person, or a better person, or both?
1: Oh, both. Um, Both. I'm still like the last-minute Nelly, you know, so there's things that, you know, I'm the procrastinator. I do my best work right at the end. (laughs) Um, And, you know, some of that's never going to change. That's just how I'm wired. But there is so much that's different um, about me, and and I've learnt so much. And I think one of the reasons that... um, the CEO award um, struck me as um, such a humbling thing is that I'm so aware that um, I've got so much still to learn. Um, and so, you know, to stand and have any sort of acknowledgement for me feels like, uh, oh, I'm so not done yet. Um, you know, there's, so I, I look at it and go, I've learned an incredible amount. Um, you know, there's been a lot of tumbles along the way. Um, and uh, I'm pretty good at making mistakes. Um, but it's picked myself up. I think about, um, it's funny. I, um, I just really desperately believe that every everyone deserves a champion. And I've the part that I've also to change and believe more is that I, I deserve a champion, if that makes sense. Um, and so, in the last, you know, 10 years of business, um, I'm not the same person. And that has its hard bits, you know, but you know that the CEO's job can be quite a lonely job at times. Um, and other people's perception of you changes as well. Um, goes with the, the title and the role. But um, I think, if anything, I've become softer to the world and to believing the best in it and to looking for how can I contribute to that, to
0: that thing, to this being a better place. Yeah, it's interesting. I often, when I'm working with leadership teams, I, I ask them how they're going, and people go, "Oh, you know, Rowdy, I'm doing my best," and and I say, "You can't possibly be doing your best because you've got no idea what your best is." Yeah. And they look at me a little bit shocked. But you've just described that in in detail. Of mm. you know, you've you've completely. Turned your career around 180 degrees in the other direction. You've um, become the CEO of that business and and won the CEO of the Year award. And you're humble enough to still go. I've got. I just still got no idea of what I'm capable of, even though I've I've done so magnificently well. Yeah, you, know, you said earlier in this interview that you'd gotten to the stage as a prosecutor that you cared about every person that was in front of you at the time on that day. And I know that you do that exact same thing as a CEO. So some things transpose into the different roles, don't they?
1: They completely do. And one of the things I think um, people are too prone to when we change careers is that we, you know, throw the baby out of the bathwater and we put down some of the skills and learnings that we've had from our last role and almost kind of want to transform ourselves. And so we take the pendulum and swing it too far the other way. Um, And, you know, one of my best skills – you know, I picked up some great skills prosecuting and storytelling was one of them. But one of my best skills was that I ask hard questions. um, And I'm not afraid to ask hard questions. It was my job for 10 years. Um, So, you know, cross-examination was part of what I did. And when I started, um, you know, the CEO role, I swung too far away from that um, in some ways. Like, I stopped asking some of the harder questions because people feel uncomfortable um, being asked tough, hard questions at times times and um i realized that uh, i got to the point where i realized i was actually doing them and me and the people we work with a disservice because um i need to bring the best of what i learned from the last roles and it's not to say there's not more to learn but um but there's such great value in skills that we've developed and the reality is that your team wants you and needs you to bring your best self um and that might be evolving but you don't put down the things that you learnt to do well instead I had to learn to um, help them understand that I'm going to ask questions this way and it, it might feel a little uncomfortable but you know just bear with me this is why i'm going to do it and you really really want my best work you don't want my substandard work and so um that's been one of my big lessons is um you know to bring the best of what i've learned before and apply it to a new role and don't try and be a completely new invented version of yourself um that you know growing builds on what you've already um developed um and there'll be more to come so yeah that's been um One of the things that I've had to work hardest on is remembering and being my own champion, if that makes sense, Um, not just needing someone else to be that for me. I'd like
0: to wrap up with a couple of questions. So um, if you had to give the listeners some tips about how they can play a bigger game, what would be? What would yours be? And I realise that you've given us a whole heap during the course of the interview, and I'm going to summarise the ones that I picked up on at the end, but if you had to share with us the ones that you think are most important, what would they be?
1: Um, look, the principle of design versus default is one that i live by um jim Rohn has a great quote about if you don't plan your life someone else will and guess what they've got planned for you not much um and so i can either design it and we can either design what's to come or it will default someone else will design it will be pushed around by circumstance community change other people um so when i said i write my closing first um for life that's the design element that's the um this is what will be and i'm going to choose it um i'm going to be open to things coming on that i haven't thought of because that's just growing but i'm not going to stand back and just shrug my shoulders and let somebody else choose for me um so design versus default the other thing i'm a big fan is don't pass it by pick it up so too often i think we come across um circumstances things we don't like about ourselves or um challenges in the work and we again kind of we pass it by it's somebody else's fault someone else is to blame whether it's you know behaviors um um that we've kind of go oh, well that's what always happened in my family um but i have a real real belief that if we see it we're to own it pick it up um, so don't pass it by pick it up and sort out um, what it will be and, and the impact on my life is is being really big for going that's mine to solve I've seen it I now need to pick it up and um, do something to transform it um, so th- those two principles if you choose to design the outcome and if you're brave enough to pick up the things that you see that need work um, then I think you start to play a, a much bigger game
0: Awesome advice Awesome advice I picked up quite a few things during your talk, and I'm sure the people listening did as well. But some of the things I loved about what you were talking about that I think everybody should do is um, ask yourself the question: Who knows what I need to know? So, and then read their books, watch their videos. Um, hunt them down if you need to but there are, in, a, in a modern day world there is a lot of information out there, there where people know what you need to know you just need to go and seek that information so I love that I love mm-hmm. the authenticity piece always be you no matter where you show up because it's pretty hard when you're pretending to be somebody that you're not um, put yourself in places to learn I love that as that idea around playing a bigger game and I'm an absolute fan of the uh, begin with the end in the mind. In mind, right? Yeah. I, so, if you're listening right now, I reckon probably the best thing you can do is sit down and write your, your, your five year story. I love that that concept and um, being able to look at it in five years time. Because I think the other thing that you've done naturally that other people would need to work at is that. You you wrote the closing statement and then built the evidence. On, yeah, built yeah, a case. Yeah, built a case. Wrong wrong words. You can tell I haven't spent too much time <laughs> in the law, which is a good thing. Yeah, it um, is a
1: good thing.
0: The other thing is uh, frame the future. I love the idea of having those three framed statements on the wall that your kids could look at. The last thing I've written down is you need to be your own prosecutor. You need to ask yourself the hard questions because if we don't ask ourselves the hard questions nobody's going to ask them and five years trickles by pretty quickly great advice Trish Like awesome interview Excellent. great insights into playing a bigger game and the last question i have to ask you is the question we ask every one of our interviewees because i think you know we live in a world that gets caught up in so much serious stuff and we've talked about some pretty serious stuff on this podcast but i want to know and my listeners will want to know because they're used to it what's one thing that's really made you smile or laugh in the last 24 hours
1: Oh, Raddy, we've got a 14-year-old um, Declan and Declan's out looking for his first job and I said to him, well, you can come and do a bit of um, work in the office, doing some scanning and you know, the shredding, emptying bins, all those sorts of things. Um, to um, get some, you know, keep yourself busy while you're looking for your first job and you can add it to your resume. And I was driving him home after his first day and he'd worked eight hours and he said to me, How much have I earned, Mum? And I said, um, Well, I'm paying you $8 an hour. And he looked at me in horror and he said, But Mum, I think I get $12. It came out. And I said, Deck, I'm sure I'm on the award. Why don't you Google it? So he Googled it and he looks at me and his little face went pale and he said, Mum, it says you can pay me $4 an hour for the first 90 days. <laughs> so, um, I said to him, welcome to the real world, son. It takes a bit longer to earn it, doesn't it? So I really enjoyed it. He, Declan, not so much. Um, but, but I'm loving seeing, um, you know, you, when you see your kids starting to grow up and learn those lessons. But I was the one time the government rules have worked in my favour. Um, so, so, yeah, so he's made me laugh.
0: Trisha, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the Player Bigger Game podcast. Thank you for putting the time aside and uh, being open and talking about you, something I know you don't particularly like to do, but I think the stuff that you said has been absolute gold, and the people listening to the podcast will appreciate it. I know I do been great talk to you ladies and gentlemen if you want to find out more about tricia you can obviously google her you can check out churchill education they are an awesome education company helping people transform their lives i could pick that up in your um earlier statements as well and uh, sure. tricia if somebody wanted to reach out to you uh, maybe have a conversation what what would be the best way to do that
1: um, LinkedIn is probably the simplest way. Just find me on LinkedIn and um, I'm always happy to
0: have a chat. Happy to have a chat. And I'm also happy to have a chat with each and every one of you. So send me an email, podcast at com. Happy to have a chat about your bigger game, your struggles, what's going on with you and connect and network and hear what part of the world you're from and what's going on. This is the Play a Bigger Game podcast. I'm Rowley McLean. I look forward to talking to you again real soon.